0: Today we have with us a special guest, first time on The Godestine's Crowd, Sean Wilman. He is the pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Hillsdale, Michigan. Uh, welcome to The Godestine's Crowd, Sean. Thank
1: you so much for having me on, Jason. I appreciate it.
0: You're welcome. Thank you for coming. Um, it was great to see you at Bugenhagen and uh, be able to, I don't know, the Gen X beat you guys, so that was good.
1: Yeah, it was a first time for everything, and- um, <laughs> You know, when you deal with older folks, sometimes you have to be, um, you know, kind and gentle, and and respect that um, they need encouragement, and uh, sometimes it's even in the physical things in life. So <laughs> it was it was our pleasure um, as uh, as millennials to give you guys um, an opportunity. And you know how that goes: if you really beat up on somebody too long, they don't want to play anymore,
0: and uh, we didn't want that. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Uh, we're, we're we're looking for perhaps a rematch. Let's put it that way.
1: Um that, that makes two of us.
0: Yeah. Okay. So at Bugenhagen you gave a, a sectional on what the biblical view of human sexuality or marriage and then sexual intimacy is. And we know that the world has gone absolutely bonkers on this. I mean, the devil, the world, our own sinful flesh is constantly lying to us about what sexual intimacy is, what the marital act is all about. And and so because of that, not only is the world but even the church has been infected and adulterated in its understanding of what marriage and the marital act is all about. And and so what what I'd like to talk with you about today is you know, what is the biblical vision for the blessings of marriage as well as of human sexuality what is god's order and design for this life what's the positive understanding of this and then then we can maybe take a look at how does the world attack this how does our own flesh attack this and try to to take us away so can you can you help us build kind of that biblical vision of why did god institute marriage what is this all about
1: yeah, absolutely and that that's such a great setup for the conversation but the topic also in a broad sense and I I'd, I'd like to set it up a little bit if I could also in the in the context of when we usually have these conversations. Yeah. And m- most of the time pastors are talking to parishioners Um, about the purposes of marriage when they show up in your study and tell you, we want to get married Hmm. or we're engaged and we're getting married.
0: And that's too late.
1: It, in a sense it, it is, it certainly is. Now, every pastor is going to do his level best in that time that he gets, which as you know, is never enough. Um, Mm -hmm. Trying to get a couple to show up and meet together for an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, a number of weeks in a row, or months in a row is a real challenge. And so you do you do your best in the time that you have. Um, and there's also something here too. It's a it's an awkward thing, I guess, in a certain sense, to talk to your parishioners about um you know about sex mm-hmm. it's 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 just this hard thing we are gonna talk about it from the pulpit in really plain terms well probably not mm. um it but so so to your to your original point there what it does mean is you have to as a pastor it behooves you to speak the way the Bible speaks about marriage which is not simply in a negative sense and so that that, I think, is where our real opportunity lies. I think most of us are pretty good about saying, um, don't commit adultery. Yeah. This is what the Bible calls adultery. It's very clear. Keep the marriage bed pure. And and we're good at that. We're, we're good at quoting the Sermon on the Mount and saying, even if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. And I'm sure you do this. When, when a couple comes into my study and says, we're engaged, and we're, we're so thrilled. I got a call last night, actually, um, from, uh, from a couple, and, and they were thrilled to share the good news that just you know an hour before they'd gotten engaged, and they were so excited. And of course, we rejoiced together and gave thanks to God for that. And um, so when they come into my study to sit down, one of the first things I say to them is, um, hey, um, you're engaged, and there's going to be real temptation here um, because you, you've, you've made a promise to to each other already. And this is a, a public promise. Likewise, there's going to be a temptation to consummate this, uh, this promise that you've made. Don't do that. And, mm-hmm. uh, and if you are, you, you need to stop. And so I would encourage any pastors listening, um, have that conversation. Don't take it for granted that because they're in your study saying, oh, we got engaged. We can't wait to get married, that they don't need to hear that. Um, it's your job as a pastor to say what needs to be said. And that is one of those things. Um, and again, if I can dwell on that point for, for a moment, cohabitation is a problem, obviously, but Hmm. I say it's a problem in the sense that not, not simply it's going on, but we have to say, this is a problem. And we have to say to couples, you need to stop. And, and we're here to help. Um, how, how can I help you? Um, mm. I mean, in a physical, can I, can, I, can I provide you a place to stay? Is it something like that? What, what's going on? Um, uh, but you can you can stop and you need to. Don't live together before you're married. If you are, you, you need to separate. And uh, again, if I can just have a moment and say, um, we've all heard the horror stories of having that conversation. Maybe you have some examples in your own pastoral uh, ministry of, of how that conversation went right um, I, I told them they can't live together and their father one of my elders then showed up in my study the next day and said well you can't be our pastor or something like that right we've we, if we haven't experienced it we've all heard that story yeah um, maybe we haven't heard enough success stories I, I have some I, I bet you do too yeah. where you encouraged the faithful of God to act according to the word of God to live in faith and they and they did. Mm-hmm. Because God's word actually produces fruit, so my encouragement to um, to all pastors: um, don't be a coward. Proclaim the word of God and do so in faith, that it it will take root. It will produce fruit in those who hear it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and oh, by the way, that's your only hope. You don't have anything else. <laughs> right. The force of your will or your winsomeness is not going to produce the fruit that the word of God will. And the faithful, um, they don't like you that much anyway, but they do love God, and and they they love His Word. So um, go go ahead and have that difficult conversation from the outset. Don't just be happy that somebody showed up and said we want to get married. Because to the original point that you made, that's in a certain sense a rarity. Um, that you know, a couple 22 year olds show up and say, Hey, we want to get married. It's right. very tempting to say, well, okay, wow. I, I, I'm just thrilled. And you, and you want to do it in the church. Um, not, not, not in a barn somewhere. Wow. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a temptation to just be so bold over there that, um, that you, you try to skirt any hard conversations. Uh, don't, don't do that. Um, but, but instead boldly confess the word with the with the hope that we have attached to it so that, that that's a bit of a, a front piece there um so to ultimately go ahead David, to
0: please. to just kind of jump on here oh. there is we are taught and we know from the very beginning that you know our arch enemy the devil is the most crafty of all of God's creatures and and he often, um, you know, we know that he lies, but he doesn't come out like with faced lies. Usually, they're mixed truths or half truths, and and I wonder if there's something going on with this as well that, um, you know, in the modern man's mind, adultery means you're already married and you've cheated on someone. Um, mm-hmm. Is there a sense in which we should try to kind of step back and, and talk about, you know, to adulterate something is 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 what happens in fornication, in pornography, and in, in kind of all of our failure to live a chaste and decent life and what we say and do, and try to build up from there to say, when you adulterate something, you're rendering something poorer in quality by adding another inferior substance. And are you guarding this good, wonderful thing that God gladly gives you? Are you guarding it from inferior substances? And what are those substances? Yeah, that that, that is
1: a, such an important point, Jason. That, um, again, <laughs> talking about the law does not mean simply to speak in negative terms. Right, don't yeah. do this, don't do that um it, what it, it, it there, there, that's certainly part of it right don't commit adultery why because god has something better for you than mm-hmm. that and to as as you well put there to adulterate that Better thing, which is to say, marriage and a chaste and decent life within marriage. Likewise, that's another part of this conversation. Yeah, adultery, um, or, or lust, or, or any other ways that we can commit adultery. That those don't go away when we get married. I think there is this idea that those are two different things. Right. That before you know, just like you said, adultery means cheating on your wife. Yes, that is true. I don't have a wife. So I think I'm good on that front. Right. I, I haven't. <laughs> okay. Well, um, h- hold on there for a second. We've got a few more things to talk about here. Certainly. But then there's that other side too, that says, okay, so adultery means um, acting and lust and doing those sorts of things. And, and, um, but now that I'm married, that's not a problem anymore. Right. Uh, <laughs> and so we have to adjust both sides of that. And yeah. as, as you said there, and, um, and, and this is of course above all things uh, in, a, in a certain sense anyway um, it will it is above all things it's a matter of faith mm. which is to say what do we believe about a thing what do we believe about ourselves about the bodies that God has given us what do we believe about marriage and what do we believe about the marriage bed why has God given it and what does it mean to keep it pure and mm-hmm. and, and that's why this conversation, thinking in terms of premarital catechesis. Um, this conversation that that a pastor would have with again, a couple sitting in his study and and preparing for marriage, really, um, the the question uh, about sex, about marriage as a curb against sexual sin, um, that's it's one of the last conversations you're going to have. Because before you do that, you first have to talk about the whole purpose of marriage in general, yeah. um, you, you, that, that God, before the fall into sin, gave Adam and Eve this blessed gift of holy marriage. Well, why is that? Well, he gives them there for the sake of com- companionship, of course. And so describing what companionship looks like and um, what that means, uh, he, gives them, he gives them marriage for the sake of children. For the sake of, of of bringing forth children, of bringing forth life, bearing the image of God, there in their own flesh, and and after all of those conversations, which those the, as, as you well know, you're going to to read an awful lot of the scripture together, and you're going to talk about some of the practicalities of of companionship and 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 uh, and of children, and you're going to talk about things like contraception. We don't have to have that conversation today, but it is part of it yeah. before you before you even get to the question of. Okay so what does it mean that I can adulterate all of this? First we have to say well what what's the good it what, what's the good there that can be adulterated? Yeah,
0: what's the ideal? What is the yes. thing that God sets up as the summum bonum? Absolutely, right. a- a-
1: absolutely. And and so then that then the conversation I think follows very naturally to say so we we've talked about all of these other purposes of marriage and, and the marriage rite as we find it in the Lutheran service book and um and, and some great similarities there between the previous rites that we've had, especially in the opening address. Mm-hmm. And it points then to these purposes of marriage. And and that's then the you know the line that I took for the title of my of my breakaway, that that um all persons who marry shall take a spouse in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust. For God has not called us to impurity, but in holiness. Mm-hmm. So then that question about what does sexual purity look like in marriage means to do an awful lot more than to say, don't commit adultery. Yeah. Don't sleep with someone who's not your wife. Everything else, you're cool. Like, just just like... We don't even have to talk about it, right? Everybody, 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 good, good with that, right? Yeah. Don't don't cheat on your spouse. Okay, great. All right, let's move on. And there's a temptation to to um, to do that because, as I said a moment ago, there is a bit of awkwardness there. But it's but but it's awkwardness because of the false view of sex that that we all have because of the fall into sin. Yeah, because because of our perverted hearts and minds. And because of what the world tells us. And so what what you get is, is oh, go ahead. Did you would you want to jump in there?
0: Yeah, I just was gonna say, so what is that false view of sex that the yeah. world and the devil and even our fallen flesh falls for?
1: Yeah, right. And 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 that's really the that's really the, the crux of it, isn't it? And and the false view of sex that the world gives us is one of eroticism. Mm-hmm. Um one one that excites the body chiefly. And, and then it is used, um, for the sake of self-satisfaction. That, that, mm. that's the purpose of sex. Um. And, and you see how that works. I mean, in advertising and all sorts of things, wh- what's the purpose? Well, let's excite people so that they act to satisfy themselves so that they selfishly want to spend money on something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or, 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 you know, the, 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 old, the old adage, sex sells. Well, why is that? Well, because it tells, uh, it, I mean, really, I mean, there's hormonal realities here. There's endorphins that get, there's all sorts of things that happen that, that make us uh, in, in sin want to satisfy our flesh well yeah as Christians we know that's not right no that doesn't mean we don't need to be told and that 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 the point that you made um, toward the beginning it behooves us as pastors to say that again and again and again crucify this sinful flesh that you have do not let it mm-hmm. rule over you Dear friends, and 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 when you're doing this or that thing, your passions are ruling over you, and there's a connection here um, between all of the sins that we have of the flesh, whether it be gluttony or whether it be adultery, whatever it is, your flesh is ruling over you, and 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 we have to bring that under control um, through the power that we have in the Word of God, um, through the crucifying of our flesh, the chastening that the Lord gives us um, through yeah. His Word. Well,
0: what's the, what's the diagnostic in in, I think we get this probably—we can see the line in food. We can see the line in some of these things. But when you're married, it, what's the diagnostic to see whether you're using your spouse for self-satisfaction or that this is an expression of the godly love that that has been instilled in you by his word and by the promises made for fidelity— how do how do we how do we make that diagnostic on ourselves or or prepare for confession in looking at have we crossed those lines are 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 we letting our flesh rule us
1: yeah if you don't mind I, I'd like to to um, hold on to that for a minute um, sure and and, and talk it in, in a for a moment more anyway about about the both the negative view that we get from the world and then the positive view that we have. And then, and then if you wouldn't mind circle back around and say, now how do we abuse this, even this positive view?
0: Okay. Um, go ahead.
1: And, and, and so, so where I like to go here is, is to, to talk about the, the Christian's natural response to something being potentially abused, um, is the snap judgment that thereby we must forbid it. Um, see, uh, drinking beer at a Lutheran church in the Bible belt. (laughs) Um, there are drunkards in our midst, thereby no one should ever drink. Right. And this is, this is what we sort of naturally do. Can something be abused? Oh boy, we, that would be bad, right? That's a good judgment. Abusing gifts of God is bad. Um, so, uh, nobody, nobody touch it. Right. Uh, This sounds an awful, like Eve, doesn't it? Don't even touch it. (laughs) Um, It could be abuse, right? And so you you see where that goes. And and I think for an awful lot of Christians, um, for couples that are sitting across the desk in my study, they have this view. We have this view that says, don't even think about it. Don't touch it. Don't, don't, I mean, put sex out of your mind. It's a, you know, it's a bad thing um, because it can be abused. And, um, And when we get married, well, then it'll be a good thing. We don't have to, you know, it, it, it'll, it'll all be okay. And so that, that's that. Um, we'll have to talk about that in a moment. But so then what I would like to talk about then is um, how is it a good thing?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How, what's, what's the purpose that God gives to us here in marriage um, for, for sex for husband and wife? And um, to do that, I I like to go to First Corinthians seven, as you probably uh, would imagine when we're talking about um, when we're talking about this. I think Saint Paul just gives us such wonderful words um, about how we ought to order these things. So, it, if you'll permit me, I'd like to read here from First Corinthians seven. I've got the ESV in front of me, and I'll just read through the first, well, say maybe five verses. Would that be okay, Jason?
0: Wonderful. Thanks.
1: Okay, so he, here, here are Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He says this, Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, quote, It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, end quote. but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband for the wife does not have adult have authority forgive me over her own body but the husband does likewise the husband does not have authority over his own body but the wife does do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer but then come together again so that satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control so paul there in 1 Corinthians um he, he goes through a set of concerns that have reached him um, via letter from the church in Corinth, and he's responding to them. And so here in chapter seven, we get this concern. Well, what about sex, Paul? Um and, and so he, they wrote, the, the church in Corinth wrote to him, basically saying, right, Paul, is, isn't it right? It's, it's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. And, and the, the subtext, I guess we could say, or maybe the pretext is just what we had said before. Hey, we know this can be abused. And in fact, what we know about Corinth, if you read the rest of 1 Corinthians, you know, my goodness, it has been abused. And so they go, hey, uh, yeah, don't, don't look at it. Don't touch it. Don't think of nothing. Just don't do it, right, Paul? Right? Isn't that isn't the response? Yeah. And he actually says, "No, um, you're going the wrong direction. Because this gift of God is rife for abuse, then we have to take special care that it be used correctly and in the right place, namely marriage." So. Uh, instead he says, because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. So because we're all tempted to sin because we have sinful flesh um, that is that th- we're filled with with the desire to break the sixth commandment to commit adultery and heart, body and mind, we ought to have a spouse. Mm-hmm. well, ha- getting married. Doesn't mean we never break the sixth commandment, of course. Um, and then, so then Paul goes here in, into that, and he uses the language of conjugal rights. That's how the ESV translates it. Um, I think that's not a bad translation necessarily. There, the idea is is what what is due someone. What, what do you owe someone? Mm-hmm. And in a marriage, the husband owes his entire body to his wife. We get this language elsewhere, like in Ephesians 5, that your body is not your own. It doesn't belong to you anymore. You're one flesh with your wife, and your body is now hers. And you owe her her due, that you are supposed to serve her with your body. And we know this works in terms of you're supposed to go out and earn a living and, and provide for her. Um, by the sweat of your brow you shall eat bread and your wife too for that matter and your children you have to sacrifice for her Um, but also you are supposed to um, give of your flesh for her because she too will have sexual desires and the same is true of um, the wife to the husband because of sexual immorality because you will have desires for sex that you are tempted to use um as you ought not, meaning you are tempted to commit adultery. Well, then go to your spouse, go to your spouse and they, there are the right place and right use for actually these good and God pleasing desires. Mm -hmm. It is a good thing. And this is the reordering of the, of what the world tells us. It is a good thing that we would desire to have sex. Now we have to have that conversation about children first, right? Mm -hmm. Um, to be able to say um, these two things cannot be separated. God might choose to separate them. He is the one who opens and closes wombs. That is that that's according to his uh, to his good and gracious will, according to his divine providence. Um, it's not really up for you to do. Understanding that, then, um, what's the right place and use for this? Well, well, the right place and use for sex is, for husband and wife is in marriage, of course. But I think there's, there's worth, it's worth saying one more thing, at least one more thing. We've got plenty, plenty of time. We'll say more than that. But to look then at verse 5 and to note the language that Paul uses, he says, do not deprive one another. Well, to deprive someone of something means that they have need of it. So Christians, I think, oftentimes have this view that even in a marriage, sex is sort of like dessert. Um, you don't, I mean, you don't have to have it. It might be nice every once in a while. Um, you know, maybe, maybe if you've been a good boy and done all your chores, you know, you know what I mean? Um, that it it could, it's extra. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, again, every once in a while, if, if you deserve it, something like that, but by no means, should you have it too much, um, lest, you know, lest you come to expect it or, or or lest it become a regular thing. Um and, and then you it loses its specialness. Okay, right. Well that's not what Saint Paul says. Um Saint Paul says that um for husband and wife to not have sexual relations is to deprive one another of something that is that is thereby we can make the necessary logical conclusion. Must be necessary. It mm-hmm. must be necessary. Well, what is it necessary for? Well, it's necessary for, um, that companionship that we talked about before. Um, one of the first that we would say the first chief purpose of marriage, it's necessary for children. I hope that's kind of obvious, but isn't that worth saying though, Jason, we, we live in a world where a lot of people, a lot of people quote, um, have children apart from, from the act of sex. It, it, it's, it's almost unbelievable to say that uh, at mm-hmm. least I, I hope it is for all of us but but i mean think about how many stories we hear about so and so um uh, had a baby Well, what do you that's they're two men they a baby to get? what are you talking about right no mm-hmm. they, they had a baby no they no they they did not right um and you know this that's an that's an awful long conversation for another day perhaps but it's worth noting again that these purposes for marriage here actually find a fulfillment and a home w- within within the sexual relations between husband and wife. This is the language of the language being consummated, brought to its fullness. And that's actually seen there in, we might co-opt the phrase, one flesh union as it's found in the sexual relations of husband and wife. Yeah. So we we can't separate all of these out and say- well, um, companionship absolutely necessary. Children, uh, one of the necessary purposes here. Sex. Well, maybe if you've been good. That's not the way the scriptures talk about it.
0: it, it no, the, in the starkest terms, like y- you said, what you owe. I mean, it is an indebtedness, and then a repayment, and mm-hmm, then the the mm-hmm. word for deprive is like to 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 steal or to fraud. Right. Um, these are very. Um, these aren't wishy-washy terms, are they? No, and they're, and they're not, per, they're not particularly
1: romantic either. I've <laughs> no, got to they're say. they're not. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's always, you know, it, it, it's, this is fun. I don't know about you, Jason. I think premarital catechesis is fun. Um, there's a great joy to sitting down and talking with 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 the smile on the face of those who are just thrilled to be engaged and are looking forward to marriage. Uh, what, what a great joy that is. And um, I, I'd like to offer a bit of a rebuke for those of you um, who say uh, bad things about marriage, for you pastors out there who say, oh, goodness, I hate doing weddings. Just knock it off, you know. Pastoral ministry has its challenges. That's true. Okay, fine. Um, But we should take absolute joy and delight in the fact that the Lord has called us into this office whereby we may give his gifts to his people. You're right. They're sinners. They mess it up. Well, so are you. Mm -hmm. Repent and then enjoy it, especially when you're doing something that ought to fill you with so much joy as premarital catechesis preparing a couple to to be married and i hope i hope let me just say this too i hope you love your wife so much that sitting down and talking about marriage puts a big smile on your face i know it does mine and and this this isn't this isn't me sitting here and bragging my marriage is better than yours you losers who hate to do premarital catechesis i i don't mean that but what i mean is that you know pastors are supposed to be sort of romantic about these things i really i really do really do mean that and um and you get to set a great example for them that you with a smile on your face get to say boy marriage is an awful lot of fun it's an awful lot of work it's an awful lot of fun and i and i hope you enjoy it um so that is
0: where saint paul really is a a great christian to imitate you know in second corinthians he goes all up on about his hardships and mm-hmm. and you know what he's given up or lost. Uh, and then in chapter twelve he he says, uh, for the sake of Christ, then I am content or I mm-hmm. delight with weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecution and calamities. It sounds like what you're saying is you really delight, even though there can be difficulties and hardships that you endure in carrying out weddings or carrying out funerals or any of the pastoral tasks. Um, you're really encouraging us to, to, to imitate Paul and delight in those things because there's so much good. And that is, that is being carried out because of God's word.
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, Better, better said than I could have. I, I, I cannot echo Paul's sentiment enough. And, um, you know pastors uh, um i believe um it was it was heath who who talked about being inspired what was yeah. wasn't that he yeah. talk? yeah you know your, your people ought to be inspired by you folks that they, they, they ought to be they ought to look at you and the joy and the contentment that you have in this life and see someone worth imitating if not the pastor and his wife who who else? I mean, I hope they're parents, but, but you know, this, there's a lot of couples who come into your study who don't have parents worth imitating. Right. So, um, so let, let that, let that be a rebuke perhaps or an encouragement certainly for all of us. But with that said, so you're, you're having this conversation and you say conjugal rights deprive, you know, gosh, that's that's not how I was hoping we would talk about this. Well, (laughs) the reason is, because of the necessity of the blessed gift that God has given to husband and wife in their sexual relations
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and the necessity is the joining together there in heart body and mind and um, so if, if your body is not your own then the positive view of this is to say um, that I I have an opportunity to serve my wife here and and uh, I have an opportunity to give of myself to my husband here for his own need now um the the caveat i always give here is that um th- this should be enjoyable right yeah. um as much as we're talking here in this law-sounding way and, 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 and it doesn't just sound like the law it is the law, don't deprive one another that that's thats Paul speaking a clear word of the law here and telling us that in marriage there's a responsibility we have to one another and to not carry that responsibility out in the sexual relations of husband and wife is to break the, the will and law of God, it is to commit adultery because you're withholding that which belongs to your spouse, that's mm-hmm. true, um, oh by by the way, you're supposed to enjoy it, right? It's supposed to be a source of great joy and peace and love. And, um, and I
0: think I would point to also, I mean, just like St. Paul's um, admonitions for husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church or as mm-hmm. uh, his admonition to wives to subordinate themselves to their own husbands. This is, this is something that the the admonition is for them to willingly do it, not for someone on the outside to demand it.
1: Yes, that's right. That's right. And and, and so, so to that end, um, what it tells us is that um, what St. What Paul is saying here um, is that our concern has to be not chiefly for ourselves. Remember, um, the sexual relations of husband and wife is not actually chiefly about your own physical satisfaction. It's about mm-hmm. loving and serving your neighbor here, your your wife, your husband. Um, which means that there's there's not um, that you're going to have to compromise, right? You're going to have to come to an understanding and agreement, and to, to get into some of the nuts and bolts of this, um, I think it's important to say to couples. And so I'm saying this to, to whomever's listening now, you should, if you don't, you need to have this conversation with your spouse. Um, and you say, well, how often are we, how are we going to do this?
0: Are we going to be a a once a week, a two times a week, that kind of thing. Like actually sit down and, Yes. Let's discuss, I would really like, you know, so as the husband, I would really like to do this, I don't know, four times, every five dude. times a week yeah. or, and then she's like, wow, I wasn't expecting that. You know, what about <laughs> that kind of thing?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. I, 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 uh, I was having a conversation, um, in in my study with a, with a married couple and, and we were working through some, some, you know, some challenges, you know, everything was great in their marriage, but they, you know, like faithful couples do, they wanted to talk to their pastor about some of the things that had been challenging. Thanks be to God. And, um, and one of the, one of the bits of pastoral care I gave to them, I said, you, you need to go home and have sex with each other. (laughs) Um, and, and, and you need to do this regularly. And, and as you well know, you've had these conversations with couples where they come in and things are getting, things are pretty rough in their marriage and you have mm-hmm. that conversation and they, they say, you don't even have to ask them. They say, pastor, it's been months, it's been years. And you say, wait, what? Well, maybe that's actually at the root here of what's going on. So having, having some sort of schedule now, everybody's different, right? Um, but ha- having, a, having that conversation above all things is what's really important. And then understanding, um, wow, uh, my wife threw out this number, I threw out this number, my husband threw out this number, I had this number in my mind. Hmm, okay, um, w- let's compromise because I, I, I love my spouse. I love my wife. I, I want her to be happy and satisfied. If this is going to be a burden for one reason or another, then, that, then that's, that's on me to sacrifice of, of myself and of my desires here um, mm-hmm. for her sake. And so, again, that's also really funny conversation to have with twenty-two year olds. I'm um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait you know, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to schedule this, Pastor. You know they you know, to be somewhat crass. They've been thinking about this an awful lot for a long time. Uh, and um, the idea that it's not like you, 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 you mean there might come a time when it's not going to be the, the only thing on my mind. Well, yeah, um, it, it might just be. So prepare yourself for that and have that conversation and then come back and have it again um, and, and check in. Is everyone, how's everything going? Is this, you know, is everything okay? Um, and, and to, to have that, that honest and frank conversation. Um, I I liken it in a, you know, it's not perfectly analogous, but um, you know, when your wife makes you dinner and, and she, she, and she makes something new, you know, she made a new dish and you know why she made it? Because she thought she would, she thought you would like it. Right. Yeah. Because she loves you and, and, uh, and you know, she knows you love, you know, you love bacon. And, and so this looked great. And so she made it. She's going to say, well, what'd you think, honey? How, how was that? And, and you're going to be honest with her because she really asked you because she really cares because she loves you and she, she wants you to, to to be happy. And you really give her an honest answer because, um, because you know she wants you to be happy and, and you know that it brings her great joy to be able uh, to provide for the family in that way. Um, so the same thing is true basically on all aspects of marriage, right? I was mowing the lawn the other day. And, uh, I was, I was mowing the lawn because I was told the lawn needed to be mowed. Um, and it was true. Yeah. <laughs> and and then I got the, and, uh, <clears throat> um, can we get out the, the, the trimmer and the blower too and, you know, clean things up around here. Yes. And, uh, I, it, it, I'd been back from sitting convention long enough. That was no longer an excuse. So, um, you know, so as, as I'm doing my work, I, I said, Hey babe, is that, is that what you like, does that look okay? You know? Is is that, is that good? Right. Because I cared um, that, that my wife was satisfied about this because it it was important to her. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so having that sort of attitude, Hey, is everything okay? Is that good? Let's talk about this. I'm open to rebuke. I'd like, I want you to be happy. I want you to be satisfied. So tell me, tell me what that means in this case. And the same, of course, is true in terms of the sexual relation between husband and wife there's a couple other things I'd like to kind of go down in terms of the practicalities of this, but go, go ahead. Sure. Jason, yeah. Ahead.
0: I was just going to say, so, so what described to me like a discussion on initiation. Do, do you talk about that? Like how often, Absolutely. um, I mean, in my mind, I think that the initiation will primarily come from the husband just because that's, that, that's how they think more, uh, I mean, just how they're made, I guess. I don't know, but how yep. important it is, is—is it for for the wife to initiate?
1: Yeah. So it, it's I, uh, let me let me read you a note I have written in front of me on the sheet that that I use to remind myself of what I'm going to say before I have this conversation with couples. Here it is: quote, "It is a duty, but man shouldn't always have to initiate." Yeah. Um, and 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 that's kind of the that's kind of the gist of it. You're you're absolutely right. That speaking in broad terms, it's probably going to be the husband who who perhaps initiates more often than not. Um, but that's it's not like it's not his it's not a job description, right? <laughs> um, And, and, and so, um, and there's, there's actually something there that that can be encouraging to, to a wife to say, you know, it doesn't always have to be the husband. Now, I don't know what, what your marriage and relationship is going to be like. I'm Mm. not exactly sure. And and, in fact, I don't need to know that that's I don't need all of those details, obviously. Right. But, um, but just know that it doesn't, it doesn't, and it shouldn't always have to be the husband. And here's the other thing. If there is health in a relationship, just broadly speaking, and there's there's honesty and openness to the lines of communication, then there's a freedom there um, to tell, to be vulnerable. Um, I I get frustrated that the ESV and its suggestions there in the agenda for the Old Testament reading for for the marriage rite cuts off Genesis chapter two before you get they were both naked and were not ashamed. Mm. I find that to be inc- an incredibly important verse because what does it tell us about their relationship? There was a, f- a perfect openness and vulnerability and no one was scared about that. No one was ashamed about that. Um, they were perfectly um, contented with each other and there was an openness there. Well, that that is the picture of marriage, isn't it? That's the picture of a good marriage. I can be open and honest with my wife and tell her, how I'm feeling, even about what she's doing or saying, yeah. And um, she's not going to be offended. She's going to be very thankful that um, that that I want that that I wanted to be want to be honest with her and open. And so th- that's that's this side of it too. Um, that there should be a vulnerability between husband and wife. It's meant the marriage bed is meant to be a safe place. Ma- the, the the home of husband and wife is meant to be the the ultimate safe place um but i think we're also talking about how uh, marriage has been perverted and sexuality has been perverted uh, amongst the world but especially amongst christians i think we have come to see sexuality as an incredibly dangerous thing right like those corinthians hey yes don't don't have sex don't think about it there's this great line from the movie mean girls i know you used to watch that a lot in high school oh yeah um that's what I heard anyway yeah. and uh, there's this great line in there they're having sex ed and, and the teacher finally says listen don't have sex you will get pregnant and die um, <laughs> I, I that, like, this is dangerous stuff don't mess around right well this, that's that's true but that but that can really invade our thinking gosh uh, I know we're married but I don't even want to talk about it it just feels wrong well n- no, this is exactly where you're supposed to talk about this and to be open and to be kind and loving and vulnerable toward one another. So that's a, that's absolutely part of it. There's another side here. That I, think I think that's is a, wor- a really
0: good point, Go just in terms of how um, you know we were talking about adulteration and perversion. Mm-hmm. That that often the way that God's enemies work is. Um, not, I mean not just to take it away but to just completely abuse it misuse it pervert it and adulterate it so that it's no longer it no longer holds the blessings that it once did so that we, so that we the, so yeah. we so that we don't receive what what God really intends us to receive and so we only see it as this bad bad thing to be avoided
1: that's that's right and and my goodness how can we say all of that without talking at least for a moment about contraception? I know that's not really the topic here, but, but, but let's talk about it. Yeah. What are the gifts that God has for husband and wife? Are they chiefly financial? Does, does God chiefly have in mind that the union between man and woman has to do with earning power? Is that, is that what it's about? Is it about self actualization or something like that? My goodness. No, Mm -hmm. um, It is not good that man should be alone, not because men left to their own devices, you know, drink too much beer and, and and watch too much sports or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's not good that man should be alone because without Eve, Adam cannot bring forth life without Eve. Um, Adam does not bear, in a sense anyway, um, the full image of God. The image of God is found in that God is the God of life. And from him springs forth life. And the rest of creation there brings forth life, but not yet Adam, because there was no helper fit for him. And so God gives Eve to him that they might be fruitful and multiply. That is a blessing that God gives to Adam and Eve, really the chief yeah. blessing that God gives to Adam and Eve. And if we are thinking about holy marriage, but we're thinking that that is maybe a blessing that we'll take for ourselves when we want it, according to our, according to convenience, heaven help us. Because that is the chief blessing. Um, and, and for those who have not been so blessed to receive it, of course, we mourn with them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's absolutely part of it. And this is what happens, right? So, um, you, you have husbands and wives here who have, um, who have decided that they aren't going to have children or they'll have this many at this time or whatever the case is. And, um, by the way, if if this is you and this is offending you in some way, please go talk to your pastor. He would love to talk to you about this. He really would. And if I'm your pastor, come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you about this. Um, uh, so, so don't, I, I, I hope, I hope I'm, I'm not being too blunt here, but, but that's just the way it is. And, um, but what happens when when we seek to separate the sexual relationship of husband and wife from children, then then what becomes then of that is that we desire to have part of the gift without without the fullness of the gift, and I think that we end up losing all of it. If yeah. that if if I can be so bold as to say that, we end up losing the mutual companionship and the compassion and the care that we have for one another, um, and we and, and we're left then simply with the desire to satisfy our flesh, which is not the chief purpose of the sexual relations of, between husband and wife.
0: Yeah. It, and, it adulterates and, it. It makes it less. Yes,
1: exactly. And, and and that's it, right? That's that conversation that we have with <laughs> with couples who say, well, yes, we're living together. And I think it's important to say, but before they're married, right? And, and I think it's important to say, first of all, um, this is contrary to God's word why well because god has more in store for you than the satisfaction of your flesh he has spiritual gifts for you if if in marriage we have a picture of christ and his bride the church we are we are talking about something more than simply the fleshly satisfaction of one party or another we're talking about the forgiveness of sins we're talking about life and salvation. I mean, it's no secret there that in Ephesians five, this always—I don't know about you. When I read Ephesians five, sometimes I feel—I get a little—I feel a little weird, right? Because we have the language of sanctifying her, mm-hmm. right, and all of this. And you go, well, really, does that? Does the husband do that? I don't know. Can I say that? Is am I allowed to say that that the <laughs> husband does that? Well, yes. Yes, because the husband's responsibility here is to be Christ to his wife, meaning to give her the forgiveness of sins, to sacrifice of himself, to point her to Christ. Not that he is Jesus, of course not, but but he is to be her head, uh, bo- both physically and spiritual, the head of the household, to pray for her, to care for her in every way and one of those ways is sexually. And so then that, that then gets to the, to the question that we had um, before. So how then within marriage um, do we adulterate these gifts? Yeah. Um, well, one of the ways of course, is to say, Hey, remember when pastor told us we had to do this and we were supposed to talk about how many times we were going to do this. Remember when we had that conversation, sweetie. Um, well, I'm thinking a lot. And, uh, and he said it was, you know, he said, that's a good thing. So, uh, and he said, it was your duty. And that's what Paul said. So that's what has to happen.
0: Yeah. So do to, the duty. In,
1: yeah. Right. Right. Insist upon your rights. Right. Yeah. Insist upon it. And Paul has a few things to say about that too. Doesn't he? Um, yeah. uh, you know, about, about how he could insist upon these things, but he doesn't. So, um, so that's certainly one way. Um, uh, and then we can, we, we can think of lots of other examples lots of other examples likewise um, but it's I, I think I think it's probably helpful in this sense to talk in sort of broad terms and to say hey um, don't don't you shouldn't hurt one another in, in any sense um, th- this this is not an opportunity um um, for for your own self satisfaction at the expense of someone else, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that's, and you have to talk to one another, and and you have to respect that. And oh, by the way, um, if one party, if if husband or wife says now's not the right time, um, you ought to respect that, because why would you want why would you want to do that if it wasn't the right time? You you need to respect that and not take advantage of your supposed rights. Your your rights are not for yourself actually. It's yeah. it's to care for one another um they they're not given uh, god does not give you your own flesh that you might satisfy it so um i i i could certainly speak in more detail if you'd like me to jason but um but i think those are sort of the chief categories of how um of how we can abuse how husbands and wives um can abuse the gift of god uh in sexual relations even within marriage to insist upon rights um to take advantage of one another um You you could certainly have also um, the lording it over her, talking about, you know, the husband is the one who initiates more often, and and he he even sort of um, abuses that that reality that he knows, Mm -hmm. like that that's that's just the way the relationship goes, and so um, he's going to insist upon it. There's there's another thing here that I've got on my list um, that that has to do with with the physical aspect of marriage, like uh, how how you look,
0: right? yeah um, yeah, I, go ahead. I'd also like to bring up and and maybe just briefly, um how our world has co-opted sexuality, as you said, sex cells, um mm-hmm. but how that has also kind of made its way into all kinds of perversion on the internet and in magazines and in just regular movies as well yeah. as like television shows. And how this is constantly being paraded in front of us. Um, so, so, what are the um, yeah. what are the what are the guardrails, so to speak, that we should begin putting in in our married life, and even as young people, to to, to raise them up into thinking rightly about about sex and uh, talking to them about perhaps pornography and those sorts of things. Yeah, or the I, avoidance that, that, thereof, I mean. <laughs> it,
1: right. Right. Well, and they go together, don't they? Yeah. Just speak frankly about what a thing is, and then we can say why we ought not do it. Um, this is a David Ramirez line, right? You can't watch that. He's. You've probably heard him say that, right? Yeah. Someone references some stupid movie or TV show, um, and, 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 and Ramirez will say, you can't watch that. And you know what? Um, we all are certain... Um, you know, maybe other people are tempted by this, but not me, not me. I'm in control of my flesh. No, you're not. Right. And so we have to guard our eyes that we, that we ought not, um, put before our own eyes or, or thereby put into our own hearts. These, these sinful images and, um, things that would entice us to lust. So that's, that is certainly the first, the first side of it. And, um, and, and, and there's, there's, you know, there's an awful lot that could be said there about media consumption in general. Sure. Um, and, and I think, I, I think there's, there's probably another podcast that you've done or, or that other people have done that, that say as much, really, you need to get off of your phone and, and and get on, get off of YouTube or get off of Netflix, or whatever it is. Right. Um, because which of these, which of these things is really helpful for you and how many places, I mean, my goodness. Um, um h- how many times have you heard your people talking about a show that you know contains all sorts of pornographic images and mm-hmm. it's it's in the zeitgeist and so they feel obligated to watch it well don't yeah. don't and and talk about setting an example Hey, pastor, um, you shouldn't watch it either. Um, you shouldn't look at these things either. You shouldn't. You, you, you should not have anything to do with, um, with with any of these sexual perversions. And you have to put them away and put them out of your mind. And thereby, that means put them away from your eyes. Yeah. So that's that. That yes. is something to to guard ourselves there. And and even, you know, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what to do with this, but maybe you'll have some more formed thoughts. I, I live in the middle of nowhere. I think you do too. Mm -hmm. Uh, what a blessed gift. Um, whenever I go into civilization, I'm, I'm frankly scandalized by what I see people wearing, by how I see them acting out in public. Um, and again, I'm not exactly sure what to do with this. If we need to tell people to move out of the cities, I think there's a Sodom and Gomorrah thing going on here, but you know, if this is the community in which you live, um, Well, A, don't try not to go to those places where this is how people act and dress and that sort of thing. Um, But also, you know, don't, don't, don't buy into it. Don't dress and don't, don't let your daughters dress that way. Don't encourage your wife to dress uh, in those ways. Mm -hmm. Um, We we ought to read um, first Peter likewise and, and, and hear the language of how um, a woman of, of Christ adorns herself. Not outwardly, mm-hmm. but but in in the heart there, which is a beautiful thing to the Lord. So that that's certainly one side of it there, uh, in terms of what we put before our eyes, the the images that we see, and then what we do with them. Um, yeah, forgive me, you made a second point, and I I've lost it. What what was that?
0: Well, I mean, just in terms of an encouraging the the right uh, response to those things. So not only trying uh, yeah. to avoid, but also really just dealing with the uh, the confession of yeah. as well as the the prayer to God that he would kill these things within us like I mean so we're we are admonished every morning when we get up to slay and drown the old Adam with all sins and evil desires so that a new man may arise and emerge to live before God in righteousness and purity forever and so that slaying of the old Adam it, it, it is not an abstract thing. There are specific sins and evil desires that we carry around within our fallen flesh that we are asking God to slay. That's and that right, should, and, and and we should ask Him to do so, so that we concentrate right. on the right things. I, I think you're right, Jason. I
1: think so often w- we we have this sense that if I were a better Christian. I would have power over these things. I bet you get this feeling. I know I do. Oh, yeah. I fall into some besetting sin and I go, oh, here we go again. You know, sort of Eeyore. Well, what'd you expect? <laughs> I'm just sinner with sinful flesh. Of course, that's what I did. No, you have the mind of Christ among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus. He has buried us through baptism into his death in order that just as Christ has been raised from the dead, we too may live a new life and so to to speak specifically to god and ask in in first of all in the moment of temptation in the hour of our temptation to ask him who knows how we have been tempted in every way right he's born our sinful flesh he knows what we're going through it's not a secret to him um to ask him for help in those moments and then to understand the help that he has given us and to flee to those things to flee um to the sacraments of course to flee to private confession individual confession
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and and also there's there's the practical side of it there's the practical side of it that says um what am i what am i actually doing about this so here i am saying i don't want to be tempted click 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 you know i've, I've you know i've got my phone in front of me i have got the computer open oh please lord help me not be tempted right uh <laughs> you know it seems kind of obvious what's going on here, right? Every time you go to this place, you do this thing. It's like, the, you know, it, 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 it it's like the drunk having a job at the liquor store. Oh, I don't know why I keep bringing home beer. Well, right. you work at a liquor store. Like, what do you mean you don't know? But this is what our sinful flesh does to us. Mm-hmm. It, it makes us stupid it makes us fools where we um we say i just don't understand why this keeps happening or or we lie to ourselves of course our, our, our sinful flesh convinces us it'll be different this time i can handle it remember i'm strong enough i can see these things and won't be tempted no you're not mm-hmm. and um so having some practical things on on that side too that says well i'm not going to go to this place or do this thing or open this computer or whatever it is um and and to be honest about that, and that that that's going to be some brotherly conversation, um, some conversation with your pastor, mm-hmm. um, perhaps some conversation with your friends. Um, yeah, you're you're certainly not alone in this struggle. That you know, sometimes we say that, and we mean to sort of normalize it. And I, and I don't mean it that way. I know you don't. Yeah, normalizing yeah. it in the sense like, hey, it's okay. Everybody doesn't. It. No, it's not okay. Um, and and the Lord has given us a way out here. And and the way is the forgiveness of sins. If you don't believe that the word actually works and creates faith in your heart, faith that does not desire sinful things, but only desires the good that God has for you, uh, then that's that's a good place to start repenting. Yeah. Um
0: yeah, there's, you know, I, there's another I, I just pray what, every day, right, that that God would kill those particular desires. Of the flesh, the lust of my heart, um, for that which is contrary to his word, and to instill in me a delight in the wife of my youth um, and and just kind of as a, a daily reminder that that I'm not just saying avoid these things, but I'm also trying to point myself kind of like the skier who who doesn't go down the hill saying, uh, don't hit a tree, don't hit a tree, but rather <laughs> follow the path. I'm, right. I'm yeah. trying to instill what is the path, right? And it's, it's well, and that, focused and, and on and my wife.
1: That's right, and that and that gets to the necessity
0: mm-hmm. to
1: the necessity of husbands and wives having sexual relations. Mm-hmm. It's not simply that um, you know the wife can sleep her husband out of a pornography addiction or something like that. You're you're not his savior. Yeah. However. Um, it can help, can't it? Um, it that, that a wife would desire her husband, that a husband would desire his wife, who who has whatever, whatever sort of you know things she's struggling with. This is a good and God pleasing thing, and um, and for husband and wife to be joined together. Saint Paul says it very clearly here. Because of the temptation to sexual immorality, let each man have a wife, let each woman have a husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's it's within there the marriage bed that we do find a practical help against this. but it's more it's more than practicalities. I, I preached this uh, wedding sermon on Saturday. Marriage is not just a matter of practicalities or opportunities. It's about Christ.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: it's about the life that he has for you. And, and, and that's that's true here in the one flesh union and the consummation thereof that we find in husband and wife there's another note that I have here that I, that I do want to share. This usually gets a little bit of traction when I, (laughs) when I say this to husbands and wives, but it's about what happens um, when you're arguing with one another. Um, So, um, you you know, you, you've, you've maybe had a, a a disagreement about something important. Maybe it's something stupid. I don't know. Um, And, and usually what happens is uh, you go, ugh that's frustrating you kind of walk your separate ways right um and um don't do that um don't let the sun go down on your anger um we we know sort of in a general sense that men feel emotionally closer to their wives as a result of the physical aspects of their marriage right yeah. because they have sex together they feel emotionally closer for women, it's usually the opposite. They desire the physical aspects, the sexual relations with their husband, because they feel emotionally close. Yeah. Well, um, I'm not going to be able to solve that problem for you. Neither is anyone else. But you do need to know that. So we just had an argument. Um, nobody feels particularly emotionally close to the other person. Now's the time. Now, now's the time. Um, um, don't, don't, don't go farther apart. Come closer together. Um, and, and that's my advice also in a practical sense to husbands and wives, um, spend time together. This is part of the companionship talk that, that, that we have together, Mm -hmm. but, um, you (laughs) sitting on the couch, staring at your phones or, uh, staring at a TV screen that doesn't count. That's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. Um, yeah. You need to sit and talk and enjoy one another's company. I bet, I bet there's business to talk about in a in a sort of worldly sense, right? There's mm. things you just schedules to, to coordinate and bills to pay, all that stuff, right? Um, but also, um, I think my wife's pretty interesting. I love yeah. the conversations we get to have with her, and I and I say this because I need to be reminded of that. There are a lot of times I think, well, I've got this to do there or that to do. I'll go sit here and do this, and she'll sit here and do this. That's fine, you know. No. Um, go to bed at the same time, if you can Mm -hmm. Um, uh, obviously pray together, read the scriptures together. Um, And, and this, you know, again, whether you feel like it or not, Um, this is, this is the time when husbands and wives should come together in sexual relations. And if you're never spending time together ever, well, what did you expect this whole thing to feel like, but some sort of transactional conjugal rights, sort of in the worst sense feeling, well, that's not, that's not what God has intended for husbands and wives. He has something much better, something that flows out of their love for him, first Mm -hmm. of all, and, and then their love for, for each other.
0: Yeah, all of this reminds me of that quotation from Luther, and I I, I don't know exactly where it is off the top of my head, but it goes something like, "Let the wife make the husband glad to come home, and let him make her sorry to see him leave."
1: Yeah, yeah, and 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 again, I think that gets to the point of of joy within a Christian home and yeah. in a Christian marriage. And we have, I bet you've people, I bet you've had people say this to you about how many of our kids you have. And it's, it's held true. No matter how many kids we've had at any given moment, somebody always has to say, oh, we couldn't have that many kids. There's too many of, there's too much trouble in the world. There's too much of this bad thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we're looking forward to the life that is to come and the world they're in, um, this is God's gift to us, and we have this great hope. Again, you know, mm-hmm. the kind of the famous line. What would you do if the world is ending tomorrow? Well, I'd plant a tree.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, right. What would you do if the world is ending tomorrow? I don't know. We'd, you know, we'd have a kid. Yeah. Um, if the Lord so wills it. Because. It, this the, the, these are God's gifts to us, and there's an eternal promise therein. And so, in a in a broad sense, sort of bringing things back around to the right purposes that God has given um, to co- to combat the perversion of the world and the adulteration of this good gift of the sexual relation between husband and wife. Um, you know, partly at its root, it's a it's a joy and a hope that we have as husbands and a wife, a joy. Finally, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh and a hope of what the Lord has for us in the future. And um, there... there, you know we find the fulfillment of those things in the sexual relations of husbands and wives mm-hmm. the the hope that we have for the fulfillment of god's promise that he'll bless husbands and wives the 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 blessing that he gives when he says be fruitful and multiply fill the earth and subdue it um, that he'll join us together in one flesh that that he will strengthen us that um, we'll sacrifice and submit to one another that we'll be as christ and his bride the church this is not a separate thing mm-hmm. um, than, than a, a conversation about uh, the sexual relations between husband and wife, it's the same conversation, yeah. and uh, and so I I, I really encourage um, whether you're a pastor listening and uh, or uh, or a married couple or somebody who's not married who desires marriage. Um, don't 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 compartmentalize these things and say well we'll have that conversation later no it's 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 all part of the same conversation about god's purposes and gifts for marriage and and we find the fulfillment of course in christ and think about the beautiful connections that we have there to christ coming and bringing forth life giving of himself to his bride the church and the faithful reception of that it's a picture of marriage. It's a picture, really, um, in a sense, anyway, of the sexual relations between husband and wife. Right, the giving and receiving, the the bringing mm-hmm. forth of life. That's what Christ does for us, and uh, and so we rejoice that He does that, and and uh, and we receive that gift with great faith, and we seek to live according to it, um, especially in our marriages.
0: Well, thank you for your time, Sean. Uh, really appreciate the insight and the depth that you're willing to go into this topic an important topic uh for really th- the whole church's life together uh not only now but into the future so thank you very much
1: you're welcome um there's one thing i forgot to talk about jason i'm 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 really sorry um the 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 question of depriving one another if we have another minute i'd love to just i'd love sure. to have a comment on that and and the comment is this um Paul gives a purpose if a husband and wife are going to deprive one another. He has all of these caveats. Um, and we, we, we know what he means here. If you're not going to have sexual relations with your spouse for for a time, um, he he says this, that it has to be except perhaps by agreement. So don't do it. Don't deprive one another except perhaps by agreement. Number one, for a limited time, and that, that would be agreed upon. Um, and then there's the purpose. Um, that you may devote yourselves to prayer. So I, I want to impress that upon um, upon the folks listening. Um, when we talked about contraception and we talked about the purposes of marriage, marriage and, and we talked about sexual relations, this can be a hard teaching. I, I want to acknowledge that. And Paul acknowledges that also and says, um, you know, it, it might be that you have to deprive one another for a time that you agree upon But you're going to do that to pray. You're going to take a break that you can pray. Well, what should you pray about? Well, you should pray for faith that you would trust that God will bless that which he has given you. You should perhaps pray if there's a physical issue, um, an emotional issue that God would grant healing. Um, But he he doesn't he's not talking about fasting here. Oh, I don't know if that frustrates you when we say we're going to set aside really good and necessary things, we heard this, you know, during the Rona tide, right? Uh, You can cut that if you have to. Um, But um, we're going to fast from the Lord's supper. No, that's that's not what we're talking about at all here. And so Paul is not saying, well, maybe you need to fast from having sexual relations for your wife. No, no. He uses the language of deprive. This is necessary. If you, if, if for some reason you, you see fit that you have to take a break for a time that you agree upon do it for the sake of prayer. Pray that God would grant you faith. Pray that God would heal whatever it is um, that 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 is that is causing you trouble there in your marriage between and, and in your sexual relations. Um, but then come back together again, um, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self control. So I didn't I didn't want to forget that important note there either. Um, and you know, he, Heath has such a great Heath Curtis has. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you're, you're familiar with, um, should Christian couples use contraception? Something put, he put together years ago. It's available online. Just search that he yeah. heard should Christian couples use contraception. Um, I give this out to all the couples as a, as a conversation starter when we're doing premarital catechesis and, and it, it's a check it out if you haven't, but he's got a couple great lines at the end where he says, if you something like, if you think you're an exception to the rule, talk to your pastor. And I I couldn't I couldn't agree anymore with that. Um, if anything mm-hmm. that 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 I or Jason have said today causes some sort of distress in you or frustration, or you just think I'm flat out wrong, uh, you can call me up. I, I am not hard to find, or, or especially talk to your pastor, talk to your husband or wife, and, and have that conversation. Um, but don't ju- you know? Uh, don't just get frustrated and and and, and write, write us off here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 yeah. but you know, I know that you as a pastor, there's nothing you'd rather do than have the difficult conversations with your folks uh, in your parish with you, with, with your parishioners. Um, yeah. uh, because again, God has given us to one another that we might care for each other, even in the pastor, yeah. especially pastor parishioner relationship. So that that's, that's a final note as I mentioned, I, I would not like, would not want to forget.
0: Well, thank you for that. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up um, because it is really important. I mean, especially to end on the, the reminder that the relationship between you know pastor and uh, hearer is not one of just pointing the finger and saying do don't do, but there mm. you are there uh, to, to to be a father and to encourage and to bring along and to teach. So, so if there are questions, yes, please seek out your own pastor
1: absolutely yeah and, and i so appreciate the uh, the opportunity to have the conversation with you jason it's been a great pleasure and uh, i appreciate everything uh, that the goddess Dienst crowd is is up to and doing i know my my parish appreciates it and individual members therein so thanks be to god uh, for the good work you're doing and, and i pray that all of this is a blessing to the church of god in christ
0: well thank you um we love doing it we delight in it as saint paul would have us delight in it there and uh there we go Look forward to hopefully talking to you again.
1: That'd be that'd be a great pleasure. Thanks again, Jason.